What it is, what's up, got your podcast in the cut, something I don't get to say very much these days. Um, yeah, I don't know, school, life, you know, those things really wear you down after a while. But one thing I always have, I don't know, something to talk about is Auburn football, because they give you a lot to talk about. And the game yesterday gave you more to talk about than any Auburn versus LSU road game in the past 22 years. In 22 years. Since the last time we got uh, this result. The good guys, the OG Tigers, uh, winning the game. And, I mean, there's a ton of stats that I could look up and pull, but I think just, what is it, a 10-game losing streak on the road? I mean, there's so many things to talk about. I'm going to try to segment these takeaways. Uh, I actually have them written down, which is, you know, rare, say the very least. Um <laughs> I'm going to try to separate these. It's about, well, I really didn't say about 11 to 12, but, you know, I'll segment to about half and half. So uh, this is the intro, and let's get on to the next. So first off, uh, I probably should know what the Skybar watched that game. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, it felt weird being in, like, a public bar. I haven't been to a bar since, like, I think May or June, uh, and obviously a different landscape between now and then. But we're gonna avoid contentious topics uh, in this this episode. It's just it just felt weird for me, but it was fun. I had fun. Uh, so in my first sits, you know these these are very um, you know truncated and and you know very quickly written because the game ended at twelve, it ended like eleven forty ish, and I was tired as hell. And I was hard as hell at writing this, but I had a lot of energy. You ever like, you ever like this, it's like, like an upper downer experience, but like naturally, like I was tired as hell, but I also like had more, like I could have kept on going. I just have been drowned, dra- dragging my body around. And uh, even this morning caught up with me because I'm still tired as hell. Um, <laughs> but number one, Brian Harson got the win he needed. Um, my rationale behind this is that I think most people look at the stretch between pretty much October and October 9th specifically on to November 30th and they said, okay, you're probably coming out of this with at least two, maybe three, more likely three L's, a real high possibility of four. So you kind of had to get in this first five game stretch with the burner games, time to strategize for both Penn State and LSU. You had to come out of that with a... You know, I, I think I think the team, the construction of the team and how they flowed mattered more than the explicit record, but with how record heavy we kind of scrutinized Gus, I think a lot of Auburn fans wanted to come out with a good record. And you know, obviously records are important if you wanted to see even the standings, which nobody's expectation should have been conference champion or even like probably top three or four record-wise in the conference. But I think after the, the hot start, uh, the first two games, and then a winnable uh, Penn State game, a lot of people do want to succeed, uh, obviously. They kind of change the expectations. So I would say even before the season, a lot of people want to come through this stretch at the very worst. Like in a worst-case scenario, if LSU became good again, three and two, that would be a disappointment. Many people want to come out as four and one. You just split the two road games. Um... And, I mean, they did do that. They they probably could have won the Penn State game and pulled out against LSU. So, I mean, that's 
This is, I think, a fucking idiot just turned the damn shitty-ass pickup truck on at the same time they're recording this. Uh, listen, man, if you have a pickup truck, you are you are saintnet, satanic to anybody around you. If no one wants to hear that shit. Um, <laughs> but I think if you own a pickup truck, you don't give a fuck about empathy anyway. So, yeah, four and one, I think you need to do that, and he did it. Um, number two, the office line is putrid. I don't think that needs to really be expressed too much. I, if you watch that game, I mean... The play call has pretty much gotten to a point where you have to pretty much allow for free blockers to come through because really, I mean, like, not, not to say you allow them to come through, but, like, they just come through. You have to account for that. It, it really is marvelous how little Will Friend did to help this unit out. In my opinion, they regressed since last year. I mean, at least last year, they were a decent pass blocking unit uh, that, you know, wasn't fantastic run blocking, um, at least against most of the better teams on the schedule. And then the year before, they were good at pass blocking, but they were like, okay, I run blocking 2019. But they're fucking terrible at, at both, it seems like. They're they're awful at both. I mean, there's some very exotic kind of concepts, especially when you get to um, the East and West running that this new staff is influencing and maybe like all the knowledge that goes into that maybe makes the game harder for them. But like, hey... I don't know if you had to simplify their schemes or whatever, you know, go to more man block instead of zone block. I'm not sure. Um, but they, they suck at both. They're both, they're bad at both. If it's just any, I know, I know boxes are now stacked because it worked with Georgia Southern. Uh, I think Penn State did a little bit and LSU did it last night. Boxes, the, the numbers are offset. There's a lot of tight end sets now, but even the tight end sets, there's a lot of dudes getting pressure. And, you know, shout out to, the coaching staff were taking advantage of those sets, doing a lot of, um, you know, like RPO stuff uh, with the blockers or the tight end, I should say, or the slot receivers, and then doing, you know, dump off passes to, you know, bring in the pressure and then get it out quick. Um, you know, kind of like how screens work. And they, they even did a, which I wanted it for a couple weeks, they did a running back screen, I believe, to, uh, was it a running back screen or was it a receiver screen? I think it was a running back screen to tank, I want to say. And he got about six or seven yards off of that. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they, it took a while. Like, I don't know why it took this long to understand that if you have a lot of free rushers coming in, you need to, you know, use more relief valves as the design route instead of just a route. But um, I think I have this as part of one of my takeaways. If not, I guess I can touch on it now. Um. Yeah, I guess I can touch on it now. I, I just think that they, I think they did a, a way better job of understanding, you know, what the problems were, and they simplified as far as far as the problems go. Uh, both they definitely simplified it because the best version of both in the past two years has been quick hitters, uh, very short reads, uh, like one or two, and then plays usually giving them an option to run to scramble basically backyard football that's been the best version of both and his best game against a decent team or you know i guess a competent team was probably against this very team last year where that's all they pretty much ran was rpos uh you know design runs uh you know short uh, the, you know the short plays with gus's offense a little bit different than this one but you know probably some of the same ideas you know getting out to the tight end uh, you know, they, a couple slants, 
Uh, they obviously run a little bit more slants, a little bit less slants last year, but things like that of that nature. And then, you know, when you do do the, the deep balls, you know, you want it to be pretty much, you know, again, one or two reads, you know, and ideally have it where he can have the route isolated on one side of the field. Um, but, you know, some more concept, uh, more difficult concepts in this in this game that also worked out for both, such as the high post with, um, I think it was Demetrius Robertson, like the first drive of the game, something like that. I'm um, trying to think of other deep plays he had. Uh, obviously, the I don't know what that route was. I guess it would be another inside post, but just I well, obviously, obviously Demetrius Robinson plays probably like a, a high slant, and then the Tyler Fromm plays probably like a high post um, or an inside post. But I can't think. I don't think they ran any streaks. I think they ran a couple of back shoulders, but I can't think they think of them have ran any streaks that at least worked at the very least. Um, but yeah, I mean they consistently got they consistently got the fifteen to twenty yard plays working, which you know I think that I think that's more within both range than like the forty yard bombs that they try to get going against Penn State and uh, Georgia Southern as well. They took one of those in the first round of the game. I was like, holy shit, please not more of this. But anyway, I could have spounded that. I guess maybe later people wanted to, but that's kind of just briefly touching on the things that the coaching staff recognized that Bo could do. And I applaud him for adjusting to that. Uh, number three is kind of touched back to number two. I think Will French should be fired of a great talent that's recruited the cycle. I've heard we had recruiting problems as far as finishing uh, some of those guys, but they're pretty much, I think, moving on at this point to more transfer and JUCO type dudes. Uh, and then whoever they get out of high school, it's just, it just is what it is. But I mean, this guy's values as a recruiter. He's not a good coach. Hey, he's not a good offensive line coach. And I mean, you know, Mike Bobo isn't a good coach either, so I mean, it understands. It makes sense why he hired a guy that's, you know, it's in essence, is under understudy, right hand man type thing. And he's like not particularly good. A lot of retreads uh, that were rumored in this entire process is anyway, but we got one of the worst retreads. I would love to get Matt Luke. Uh, Matt Luke, I believe, with the Georgia of uh, Ole Miss. I really wanted him the offensive line coach. He can both recruit and coach. And unfortunately, we did not get that. We got Will Friend, who wasted like a stable of five stars at Tennessee. So this isn't a stable of five stars, and they look like it. Whoever got into Bobo's ear for the second quarter and about half of the third and fourth should probably call him plays. Uh, I mean, this one I won't touch on, touch on too much because it's just pretty much speculation. But like, whoever, because I mean, this is, this is a clear like. I think philosophy change in both Brandon states into the stacked boxes, a little bit more tempo, uh, double downing on the rollouts versus these long winding uh, deep plays. Um, it was just a lot, a lot, just a clear change. I think a clear change in ideology in the latter parts of that game. And I don't think you do that if you're Mike Bobo, unless someone's telling you to. And I'll. I mean, I don't see, like, unless you just trust that Mike Bowe for some reason to become a decent coach in, like, a quarter of football, which I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I mean, like, even some of the plays, like, the the tosses to, um, to, to, um, to, to Jarquez, uh, they didn't bring out the, the slot sweeps today, but, you know, those are rarely ran, even though they work. Um, not as much I mean, there's still way, like, way more running tank into stacked numbers than there should be. 
But um, I don't want to go into that too much. But I think the problem with that is that they, I guess they pretty much just don't want to run tank with some of those same sexy off-tackle outside sweeps that they run with Shivers and Jarquez. And I think even when they want to kind of do, I mean, when they see tank in, defense is key in on tank. So my, my, I, I like that in the first two games they ran tank kind of like as he checked down in some of those deeper plays. Um, he was open in those situations, but to me, I assume they trust Tank to be as much as a receiver back as the other two, especially at Shivers. So I'm going to have to hope that whatever the difference is with his, I don't know, receiver paradigm that coaches has about him, hopefully that changes. Hopefully he just becomes a more willing receiver, whatever it may be. Because, I mean, he's just somebody you want to get the ball, and he needs to get the ball. He's the best open field guy they have. Uh, as far as just combo of moves and stuff like that. But you have to get them going. You know, as far as just running up and down north and west, you know, I think that Shivers is probably the most decisive out of those three. And Jarquez might be the most efficient. You know, he seems to have a good package of both strength and speed. Um, and I, I just think Tank may be lagging behind in, in that that lane to them, to the coaches. But hopefully they find a way to get him going because, I mean, it's Tank Bigsby. They got to figure out a way to get him involved. Uh, number five, the receivers are not very good. I mean, it, it's just – it is what it is at this point. I think Demetrius is, is solid. Uh, he's he's really probably the steadiest hand they have. Kobe is probably the most dynamic receiver they have. Uh, I don't think his radius is crazy, but he's, made, he's, he's, he's very agile. Like, the ability to be agile, which you may have seen Devontae Smith, uh, somebody like Hollywood Brown. Uh, people like that, that kind of just make these freaky catches happen. He's probably one of the they're closer to that, and it's because like his just his body, his physique, um, his his uh, I want to say elasticity for some reason, but just how how flexible he is, I guess. Uh, I don't think he's the best catch raise. I think either Canyon or Caper is probably the better catch raise than he does, but uh, he's definitely the most like you know kind of do it all versatile type receiver they have. Um, Caper, I mean, Canyon didn't get to go. I think Capers had, what, two catches? Let's see. Capers had one catch. And then, um, you know, Shedrick, for all he did, he he, he had a catch, too. Um, Cope only had one himself, which is crazy to me. Uh, Demetrius had six. I probably confused a couple of, um, of Kobe catches for Robertson. But I think, I think clearly to me right now, you, you go out there, you run out Robertson, you run out Hudson, and I think when he's healthy, because I think Kafer started. I think when he's healthy, I would probably say Canyon is better to me than Kafer because I think he has a bigger body. Let me see. Uh, I think Kafer was 6'2", 6'4". So he's about the same height as uh, Canyon, I believe. I think Canyon's also 6'4". Yeah, he's a, he's bigger. So Kafer's like uh, under 200, and Canyon's like flirting with 220, so... I think your big body guy is probably going to be um, going forward. Probably Capers even get him, you know, get Canyon. I mean, to get him involved. But um, you know, Robertson is doing a little bit of everything out there, so you gotta you gotta respect him. I would say your best four is probably Robertson and uh, and Kobe. And you kind of have a, a decent size drop off to where you get to Canyon and Capers. Uh, Shedrick is a blocker. He, you know, I think they wanted him to do some slot stuff, like sweeps and stuff like that, um, before the season. But 
I don't know. I just don't. I don't like. I don't like Cedric a ton. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like him a ton. You know, not personally, but just like as this receiver. Uh, <laughs> that's just me. I don't know. Um, and hope JJ, whatever happens to him, I hope he figures it out too. But the uh, the tight ends, the tight ends, fantastic dude. Um, Shanker, another contentious but very talented uh, catch. I thought he pulled off a uh, great catch. Um, moves well. I, I mean, even before this regime, he always found like space in defenses, like you know, within zones, blah blah blah. Did again today or yesterday, I should say. Uh, Tyler Fromm stayed with it. Uh, there's a there's a disconnect between him and I think it was T.J. Finley where Finley could have ran for a first down and instead threw it. Uh, and Fromm was I think his momentum took up the play, but other than that play, had the biggest touchdown of the game. Um, had a couple other decent catches. I mean, he moves well. I think he was supposed to be one of the more you know catching type of the tight ends when they had like five or six guys come in at the same time. I think it was like him. Luke Dill, Pegues, um, somebody else. But they had like four or five times committed all at the same time. He's supposed to be one. Landon King, um, and I think he's supposed to be one of the more receiver types. So these times are good. These times, we heard they were good before the season. Uh, 142 combined yards on eight catches. That's fantastic. They seem to be more of the deep threats than the receivers at this point. So something to keep in mind. I mean, they work. They, they work very well. Um, now let's take a break. Come back. All right, we are back. My my mouth is wet. Oh, whoa. that was that was a bad intro. Uh, we're gonna let it rock. Uh, fuck, that was a bad. I was gonna use the word wet as in W H E T, like to wet someone's taste, you know, or to satiate someone's urge or whatever but i fuck dude that, that, that didn't go the, the way i thought it would number seven uh shivers is as mandatory as either the other two backs i think if you see that you kind of understand why shivers i think even before this year is underused underutilized receiving back he has good up and down speed uh he can move kind of like like if you need him to move you know, I'm thinking like a like a uh, a joystick, like like uh, left, right, east, west. He can, you know, kind of do it, but he just prefers to go down the field, and, and that that is a skill. Like that is a skill. Like being downfield is a skill, and it's one I think he's the best at. Uh, he has a clear level of get upness that I don't think the other two have. Like I think he just is a a a human highlight reel, and also somebody that just drums up momentum being himself uh he talks shit a little ton of shit and does not apologize for it you saw it last night uh and he just he's just a competitor dude i mean like as try as it sounds he just goes there he gets his shit i mean he's somebody you can tell like as somebody who is on the shorter side of guys you know i'm about five ten um which you know you talk to talk to enough women you feel short it's just this fucking paradigm nowadays but i can understand like how physical attributes you know, go against you, and shy of somebody you could tell did a lot of shit as a kid, uh, and growing up, and he just throws that back at you, and he probably always has, and he's, you know, he can be a good runner too, like, he can just swap sweeps, um, off tackle stuff, you know, that kind of worked a lot more last year when they had, 
what appear to be a better offensive line. Um, the guy, he's a leader, dude. They, they need Shivers, and especially after seeing, you know, defenses start taking Tank out the game, whether or not he's hurt or just keen in on him, what it what may, you know, what what it may be, well, you know, whatever. But he's necessary now. And uh, I hope he does not get hurt, or I hope he does not have the protocol happen again. Um, I don't know if you can say that word too loud without being thunderstruck by um, Coach Harson, but you know, hope he doesn't get back to the protocol. Hopefully, whatever happened happened and it's done now. Um, number eight. This might be a bigger takeaway than any of the ones mentioned at this point. This game certainly did not help my perception of Mason, but it not hurt it too much. Uh, six to seven out of ten performance, maybe an eight with how much it was hurt and not able to go. Um, I mean, I really have to add that conditional towards the back end because I mean it is big. Like if you can factor in the fact that uh, maybe his number two edge rusher, number two, number three edge rusher, Zykevis uh, Walker could not go. Uh, I think it was T.D. Moultrie, who's his number two, I would say, behind Derek Hall, could not go. Um, Owen Papo has, you know, arguably, I, I think he's more versatile than um, than um, than Jacoby McClain, but at the same time, it's like McClain, when he does well, he does really well. So it's kind of like a, you know, pick your own poise type of thing. But at least one, two out of maybe the best linebacking duo outside of pass coverage um and they're not very good at pass coverage but outside of that uh they they do their job very well and not having that was huge too i'm sure and i mean he made it work i mean i that that first half was tough dude especially that first quarter but they realized you can't give booty uh you know what an eight yard cushion every play i mean these receivers do I mean, if, if you look at it, like, they basically got almost nothing off of, like, real yardage after the first quarter. Just because they ran press. They started running more press, uh, especially with Roger. Uh, basically, whoever's on booty, they started running more press. And they basically said, like, hey, we're not going to let you just kill us with the the uh, yak. Because unlike Georgia State, if you let them get yak, they were going to kill you. I mean, you saw it with booty. But also, like, other dudes could, like, just kill you with yak. Um, Beck 40 yard uh, play, neighbors 25 yard play. They have multiple 10 plus yard plays um, amongst their receivers. And I, I didn't know they, they ran Armani Goodwin out there. I hope that they beat the shot Armani Goodwin, uh, the, the defensive lineman. I didn't even know he was out there. But uh, <laughs> what a bad decision, man. I mean, like, I'm glad it worked the way it did, but like, you could have been part of a, I think, a pretty prodigious running back program like i think that we're still better at lsu running backs even the string running backs they had in 2010s uh, especially under miles like i think we're still better than them as a running back factory and now we have maybe i would say hunter looks like an nfl running back um we have maybe two nfl running backs and lsu is none so i mean you know, they even have emory i still think they have an nfl running back at least from what i can see but you know let, let Armani deal with his demons the way he does. I think we just we just decided that we we're going to run the press, and I think it worked. I mean, Booty had 127 yards, 55. No, 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 no. He had I think he had 91 on that one drive he scored. I think he had 55 the 55 yard uh, play that was like eight nine man cushion. I think McCurry gave him, and then he had 30 yard fucking 
beautiful uh, needle by uh, by uh, Matt Johnson. So that was 85. No, it was, it was a 31 yard play. So that was a hundred and no, a hundred. What the fuck is wrong? <laughs> I told you I was still tired, man. I told you I was still tired. 86 yards there. I think he had a five yard play somewhere. So he. <laughs> He had 91 out of 127 yards on one drive. That's adjustments. I mean, I don't even care if like guys just played better. That's still adjustments on some level by the coordinator. Uh, God, I, I look an idiot right now, dude. I, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm so tired, bro. I can't even hold you. Like, my eyes are, like, closing up, man. I'm tired as fuck. But uh, shout out to the adjustments by Mason. Uh, the edge rushing play was fantastic. Uh, Eco Luet, Eco, I, I've, heard his, I've heard his name so many times I can't even say it. Iku has been an effective change of pace edge rush. I think Marcus Harris has had less impact as the weeks have gone by. So it's cool that pretty much Mason is recognizing that he has some guys that are coming on hot. I'm coming in hotter this year. And some guys that are just not doing as well. And he's trying to adjust that. Marmella High is getting more play. Um, still no... Um, someone actually asked us on Yikak before the game, or at least in the first quarter. Uh, which I, if you're in the armor, don't, re- don't download it yet. Please don't. It is, don't download it. Um, uh, four star, uh, superstar signing, Dylan Brooks. Where, where's Dylan Brooks at? I'm, I, I thought about that. And I mean, I don't watch a lot of, like, I'm not really good at identifying front seven play, really back four play either. I'm not, I'm just not very good at identifying defensive play. I kind of just take it in and then I let the people that know more about that stuff talk about it. But, I don't, I don't think I've seen Dylan Brooks all year. And you get four games, and we're already like five in. So, I mean, you think you'd be giving a couple of snaps. They're going to play the two burner teams already. Maybe got it against them. But I haven't seen Dylan Brooks against any of the good teams. And I don't know if it's just a systemic thing that he's just, just, just hey, 2020, systemic versus systematic. I don't know if it's a systematic thing that he's just not catching on. But um, I would hope that he could get some burn with, you know, both with two edge rushers gone. But the thing is, they have so many experience. Like Marcus Harris can be a little bit of an edge rusher. Echo, Echo, God damn it, Echo. That's his thing. And then you have the the um, you know, like Wooten, and you can even run Wooten outside sometimes as an edge rusher. Um, they have a lot of options there, so I, I get it, I suppose. But what, which one was that? Well, I don't even know where I'm at right now. Uh, number nine. This should be the line of demarcation between the upper half of the SEC placement and then the other. Uh, we should be in the former. Yeah, I, I would think so. I, I think that you look at the standings, and I think that, to me, a lot of the teams that came on hot in the SEC West are, for the most part, in my opinion, they are what they are as far as the roster goes. Now, they could become some different, th- different things. I think that um, old buddy KJ, KJ Jefferson could be a better passer you know the more he gets in tune with some of the other guys that are not named Traylon Marks uh and you know, I mean he's supposed to be you know still banged up from the game last week so it's you know it's hard to take a lot away from what happened in this Georgia game no matter what happened you know because I mean Georgia is just way more ahead in the process than Arkansas but I mean Arkansas is a pro style team they're gonna be a pro style methodical almost like kind of like Georgia uh in years past or you know, Alabama and kind of 20, 2010s, early 2010s. Uh, it's kind of where they are at identity-wise. They're a power team. They're a power team that kind of takes advantage of those, uh, you know, stack boxes you bring to try to stop KJ in the running game. And they go off of that. And that's that's them for the most part. 
and Ole Miss is a more experienced team, so you kind of have an idea of what Ole Miss is. Uh, I think they had their number two receiver out last game against Bama, but I mean, you know, you know them. You know, yeah, they kind of get a lot of running game going on the uh, edges. You know, I mean, they like the deep ball way too much, in my opinion, especially have so much talent, both between Cole's arm and the, um, the guys over the middle. A lot of big bodies, like quick hands, a lot of quick routes. Um, I, I just think a lot of these teams, like those two teams specifically are what they are. I think Tennessee and them is what they are. I mean, is what they is. I don't know. Um, Haynes King might come back and, you know, things might change. But they look like world beers when Haynes was in there. Um they, they just look like fucking dumpster safari, to be honest with you. I think that A&M, if they didn't give that stupid-ass extension, probably fire uh, Fisher either this season or next season. But they kind of, they got the money to fire him they want to, but they're kind of in a weird situation currently. Uh, maybe LSU buys them out after they fire Orgeron, I'm not sure. But to me, Tennessee A&M, Mississippi State, well, take out Mississippi State. But Ole Miss, Arkansas, and A&M, to me, seem to be close to known quantities. And I think Mississippi State might be coming on hotter, but, like, they're competing against the same teams that, you know, we hope to be better than after more development. Like, I don't think we intend on being in the same level as LSU two or three weeks from now. And I don't think LSU... I mean, they get Stingley back, which is going to be, you know, huge just off of that, but, like, I don't think the offense can get much better. Like, I mean, they 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 even listen to Orgeron. They've tried a lot of different things, and I don't think most is going to work. I mean, they tried a lot of different things in that game, and they just cannot figure out ways to get that that running game going. Um, and I don't think the offensive corner is to me. He's going to be really good at pass routes, but like, as far as just trying to create, like, I mean, even Bobo slash Harson a decent job of trying to create short, ineffect running plays um between the rpos and the the pass and the flats and you know via v dump offs to shivers they didn't do a lot of that and they had a lot of edge rush coming they had the opportunity to do so they just did not so i don't know their oc i don't think i trust him too too much without knowing who he is or anything about him i think he's a new guy um but yeah i think we should be i still think there's a really strong chance they finish third in sec west I, I really, I really do. I mean, I, I look at Alabama. You know, that's you know, you don't catch up with that, you know, anytime soon. But you know, I think that you could, you could, you could tell me that that Arkansas game decides who finishes second though SEC West. You could tell me that. I would believe it because I think Arkansas still has the the manpower to make that Ole Miss game ugly again. And I don't think Kiffin does well in non sexy shootouts. That's not. You can see it. I mean, he just. Seems to collapse when he, he's kind of like an NCAA player. If things get sluggish and he can't go 57 yards on the field in like three seconds or whatever, that's not, that's not his type of game. He just get, you could take him out of his game easier. You can take out Arkansas. I mean, I think Arkansas still had some good drives and just, you know, it's just tough. I mean, it's tough when you have to go against the fucking monolith, but you know, I, Arkansas is at least more battle tested. They beat, I think a, a really good, uh, a, a, outside of the quarterback in that game, I think a really decent test of scene. You know, I think that uh, Casey Thompson is a little bit better than Hudson Card, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, third in the West, maybe about fifth or sixth in the SEC. Uh, I, I like Florida more. I like Georgia more. I like Alabama more. And I think right now, like, Arkansas a little bit more. 
But outside of that, I think the award is yours. Shout out to Nas. Uh, and number 10, which is truly my, my last one, but if I forgot that I forgot somebody, um, TJ Finley is a consummate professional and navigates the pocket, but any Auburn quarterback, I don't know how long, that's not to gas him to be like, he's the fucking GOAT Auburn quarterback, and I wish he started, blah, 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 blah. I did wish he started before the game, but, you know, as the game played out, I understand it. I looked at what was happening, I understood why Bo needed to be out there. Uh, and the game plan also rectified Bo being out there. Because if you ran, my, my thing always was with Finley, is that if you ran the offense from the previous four games, then Finley deserved to be out there because it was a lot of shit involving Bo's legs. It was a lot of prototypical pro offense. And that stuff didn't fit Bo. So that's why I was one of Finley out there because that's a Finley offense. But with the offense they ran last night, okay, I see why you have Bo out there. But uh, his his maneuver in the pocket, I mean, even his one drive, dude, he ran, he moved, he moved in the pocket, like actually moved within the constraints of the pocket better than, I mean, that I think Bo did. But, you know, Bo has the advantage of being able to do what he could do as far as moving outside the pocket. So it's not to say that Bo was being, you know, bad at doing what he was doing, but I just think that Finley's ability to move in the pocket, he, his footwork in there is it's just amazing, dude. Um, that's just all I want to say about that. And to close off, uh, this, this, episode talking is hard bro um so basically i i I think that i I think that bo needed that game man i I really do i I mean i don't want to speak into the the sappy aspects of things too too much you know i but I would say I'm if it was like a bow like hater scale, I probably like, would be considered by people outside of me to be close to like the eight. But like I'm I'm reasonable with my dislike of some of the things Bo has done on the field. Um and some of the things that have kept Bo in there, I think have made me more mad than Bo himself. Like I don't I don't like nepotism. I don't like you know, to just put it bluntly, I feel like some of the things that have left Bo out there are reflected in both Auburn's culture, this is student talking, and in also in the board of trustees and other aspects of the uh, way the school was ran. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a systemic problem within a university and larger university itself. Uh, nepotism, good old boy networks are not exclusive to Auburn University. But I get pissy about it with Auburn because I attend Auburn and I like Auburn and I wish Auburn would do better. But outside of those real world problems aside, um, I think he needed this game. I think he needed... I think he fought for this game like Rocky fought for Creed. I think he was scared to death of the idea of being that bench for the rest of his days. Or not being able to play at Army because he'd have to transfer. Um, and he he played like that, dude. I mean, he... And I think, again, you got to try the coach to give him a game plan that fits what he can do. Um, but he played like a motherfucker that was going to be iced out if he didn't play the way he needed to play. And I don't want to get into sappy aspects because it's a long ass episode, man. For somebody who always wanted just, if you're going to be forced with this motherfucker to make him good, to make him the best version of himself, whether he has to do it himself or the coach that has to do that, I just wanted it to work. If you're going to give me a nepotistic quarterback, make him the best version of himself. Don't make it like some fucking. Like, 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 um, Trubisky at like. They're really nepotistic necessarily, but just double down on a bad, a bad decision. Don't like force 
losses down our throat because you want to stick with the good story, the good narrative, or the guy we chose, now you got guy transferring out. So we have to stick with it. You know, the, the sunk cost fallacy. I don't want that. I want to win games. And this is the first time in a while that I feel like Bonus could contribute to winning games. You know, really doing it. Like him exclusively doing it, not just somebody else that could do it probably just about as well as he could, but just don't get the opportunity. I feel like Bo with the running game being what it appears to be, with the offensive line being what it appears to be, the best option at this very moment because of other problems, but also because of what Bo can do himself, is Bo Nitz starting going forward. And if that changes, I'm going to change my tune. But at this very moment, as someone who's probably in the latter half of the Bo quote-unquote hater scale, I think that the Bo Nitz experience has to continue. And I'm glad he did have that game. It was a generational game as I described it. It was a game that makes you wonder why this program could not understand what Bo can do well and stop trying to make him a fucking pocket-passing NFL quarterback. You can't fucking be that. <sighs> okay, I'm done. That's it. I had fun with doing recording this. I had fun with that game. I had fun watching Bo Nitz tell the Hazy to eat a phallus. I had fun watching the streak end. I wanted to tear up inside, but I couldn't because I didn't, I just, I don't cry. It's just a, I don't really cry in instances of joy. That's not something I really do. But if I could, I would have cried after that because I was four months old. May, June, July, August, September, October. Five or six months old whenever we, <laughs> we beat LSU last. And I don't know if I'm going to see it again, or at least in my youth, but I got to see it one time. And Lord God, I'm glad I got to see it at least one time. Hope y'all enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, I probably won't be doing too many more of these because I just, you know, got to let it breathe a little bit. And also, I don't want to do it after we lose because all I do is just complain. And, and, you know, I don't want to complain all the time, you know? But we'll see. Oh, yeah. And shout out to Auburn for being stupid as heck. And scheduling the damn fall break, same damn week as the damn Georgia game. You know how stupid that is?